but Bill was his was was his son, and Bill and I were friends for forty years. I guess worked together in South America. In fact, we lost him a couple of years ago. I'm sorry to hear that, but again, I'm glad you're you're here sharing uh, sharing these stories. Oh yeah, I'm 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 glad to be above ground. I wish old Bill was too. Well, interestingly, in that regard, um, you wrote a piece called Sunshine Bridge in late 2018. Uh, I don't want you to get too deeply into that um, that story because you you captured it so well in the poem. <clears throat> but tell me about your experience on the water with bridges. Oh, well... You know, it's bridges have been a problem for river pilots from the start. You know, that's where where uh, one of the, the first big case that Abraham Lincoln did was as a as a, a lawyer for railroad interests. Uh, when a steamboat hit the first railroad bridge across the upper Mississippi River, to get exactly where that Rock Island Bridge was what it was. And he hit that bridge and he sued the railroad, you know, that, that the bridges had no business being on a river, uh, you know. And of course, the, the railroad co uh, companies begged to disagree, you know. They wanted to cross the river as often as possible with rail lines. And uh, Lincoln's the one who run the suit for him. He actually did what none of the other lawyers did, is he walked down to the river, took a walked up above the bridge, took a chunk of wood and threw it into the river and watched it float down through the bridge so he could see how the currents worked, you know? And if the, the, the river pilot had done the same thing, he probably wouldn't have hit the bridge. So they've been a thorn in our in our in our backsides from the the start. These bridges, there was uh, Eads Bridge over the over the river at St. Louis. That was an early one of the earliest bridges across the river, and it's built kind of upside down. It, it is an arc there, you know, underneath the bridge. And in high water, you better be right under the center of that arc, you know, or or you you're gonna you're gonna you know wipe something off something probably with you standing at you know and a lot of boats have hit that that bridge and every bridge you know the they're all hard to make you have to you you know you you have to put uh, a big raft of, of barges that it doesn't have a whole lot of hydrodynamics to it down through you know a narrow a narrow channel between two bridge piers and we all have a hard time doing that that's that that's a big part of the job is learning how to make these bridges you know i was so glad to see finally a few years ago before i retired the old greenville bridge was blown up that was a that oh i think the 
there was a uh, it was a federal barge line boat that hit that bridge back about 1949, 47, something like that. They got stalled out above the bridge. In other words, the current was too great, and they floated back on it and hit it, got sideways on it, and the boat sank, and they lost pretty much everybody on that boat. It floated down, and you know, but there were over the years a whole lot of barges down that American bar underneath the sand somewhere. Part of the problem with it was it wasn't terribly wide and the approach to the bridge seemed to change every year. You know, you had a different channel every year and every uh, radical change in river stage. So it was easiest to make in high water, I think. But they finally blew that thing up and got it out of there. And most of us were very glad to see that go. And we talked before about Vicksburg Bridge. It's never been an easy bridge to navigate. Well, navigational issues aside, uh, the piece you wrote does demonstrate a different capacity that a bridge has um, unrelated to navigation. But the other day you said to me on Messenger that, quote, this is what I've been working on. I think I mostly sit around in my retirement waiting for this stuff to ripen. This one is called Sunshine Bridge, written December 29th of 2018. It's quote, a true story, by the way. Quote, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. End quote. Jimmy Davis. This is a true story. I never even heard the man's name. I don't guess it matters all that much now. It was a few days after Christmas when we celebrate the birth of God, born under the sign of Jonah, they say. Jupiter, or was it Saturn in retrograde? The star the Magi followed. Birth of God through pain, blood, and human body. A God without much agency in this world of lordly eminence. In other words... The winter solstice. But this was South Louisiana. Shirt sleeve weather. And not very festive. The air was still that morning. Some sort of particulate floating in the air. This was the industrial corridor. Always something in the air down here. We were just above and across the river from Zeno Grain Elevator. Whitehall, St. Alice, Burnside, Uncle Sam. All these place names were plantation landings once. River frontages plotted in the French fashion, like a pie, narrow landings, opening out to sugarcane fields worked by Chattel slaves. These days, export grains pass from barge to ship from these gates. It's a big deal, 24-7. This is a busy place. Prosaically, we call it the combat zone, from Geismar South. So many docks and fleets, anchorages, boat traffic, serious navigation, but disparate varieties of skills that don't translate each to the other. Ships on a keel, laden to 40 feet or so, don't navigate like rafts of flat-bottom barges that take up the acreage of small farms. Both need a different sort of river. Small, underpowered boats from the intracoastal waterway canals, with little sinuosity and no currents to speak of, Maybe with chemical toes or a couple of anhydrous ammonia barges. 
find themselves in the sights of monster vessels that can neither stop nor suddenly change direction, a nation's continental runoff at their backs. Tugboats shift barges in and out of barge fleets that might already intrude into the channel, moving them on the hip, dock to fleet, crossing under your bow like deer on the interstate. The hardest work a river pilot will ever do is high water, Baton Rouge to the sea, where the river is jacketed between levees, an unnatural restraint of American devise. Each foot of rise beyond flood stage, the river becomes more strange and unnatural, an elevated ditch in modern times, downhill swift, but braked by its sharp bends, increasingly complex in its bindings. Crowned pressure eddies, where currents drop into a bend and split both directions, upstream and down, interacting with suction eddies in the void beneath the point, making a river within a river between them, both eddies filling and emptying in intervals so that in phase they will occasionally fill at the same time and knit together in unthinkable chaos. You don't want to be caught riding a raft of barges. Huck Finn's raft, that ancient design, made to be entirely absent of hydrodynamics in order to float a maximum load with minimum draft, only navigable at all by positioning it to use current to advantage. Imagine that contraption floating on such an explosion of deep currents. High ground, such as it is, ends at Baton Rouge. From there, it is only sea level delta and mud. It's also where what wealth the state possesses is to be found. This has been true for a hundred years. The poisons of American modernity, a continent's worth, has settled into this geography. The people who live on its banks or cross its bridges at interstate speeds have mostly lost the sense of this river. It isn't even scenery any longer. It does not intrude into their lives, it hasn't for several generations by now. It disappears around the bend as if it had been cauterized. Imagine living behind one of those levees, high water, sitting on the porch, even better, in the French Quarter, having cafe au lait beignets watching a loaded ship drop below the bridge, 25 knots or so, and steering Algiers Point, mid-river, the deepest hole on the Mississippi. 250 feet at low water, the ship passing high in the air above your head, nothing between you and America's great river but a mound of dirt gnawed and scratched by nutria rats. We were at Whitehall that morning waiting to fill out our northbound tow. It wasn't high water that trip, no great currents in the river. We'd been there most of a day. That place became a bottleneck waiting for tugs that have to both work the docks and dig your barges out of fleets. It was about three or four in the morning when I noticed a crowd of flashing blue lights showing up on the Sunshine Bridge upriver. The bridge was named for Governor Jimmy Davis, who used his popularity as a country singer to run for governor of Louisiana and to win. Earl Long, an authentic master politician, had his number. He's a nice man. Uncle Earl observed, he won't do a damn thing, but he probably won't do any harm either. He did pardon Huddy Ledbetter from Angola. If I had that governor or that governor got me, this time tomorrow, that governor be free.
Lead Belly sang to him. I didn't know what all those blue lights were about when my partner relieved me a little after five that morning. I didn't find out until after eleven when we changed watches again. By this time, there were launches and other small boats up and down that reach. Burnside Anchorage was across the river, and there were, I think, a couple of ships at anchor. There were two tows backed in southbound above us, also waiting for barges. The small boats were looking for the body. The weather might have been warm, but it was a winter river and the water was pretty cold. Chances were the poor man was on the river bottom somewhere. That's what the blue lights were about. The cops had been trying to talk him down. He jumped, my partner said, just before daylight. I've thought about this a lot over the years. During this season of the year in particular, before sunrise, how profound must be the despair, the sadness, the hurt, that a man can't or won't spare just a few more minutes to see another sunrise, one more, over the Mississippi. Sunrise up that long reach from Point Homeless to Whitehall, and from the highest structure in miles, a bridge built high for the transit of ships, blissful death. It's a sad season for some people. Given the promises, how can it not disappoint? A room full of empty wrappings seems as grim to me as switches and ashes. I'd rather be on a boat. My girls are grown. No more borrowed enchantments for me. But it's not a bad life, in a glass room mostly, alone with my thoughts, the river in every dimension of vision and aspect. Years of this. It's a sort of meditative life. The bridge will only take you from Donaldsonville to the bare winter fields of a cotton patch at Burnside. Or to a cold death on the river bottom. It can't take you anywhere else. So why do they launch themselves from bridges? Something in the language, I suspect. Uh, expectations, desires, fears, needs that only empty out the heart. A lack. Nothing will fill it. Nothing on these shores. Captain Greer, thank you again. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share that may have come to mind as I read that? No, not really. Uh, that, that's a, a, a story that, uh, you know, I guess a lot of us, if we're out there any time at all, you know, encounter that kind of thing. My, my stepson was telling me uh, after about an experience he had you know, where he heard a Coast Guard broadcast, his pond pond, and it was, you know, between Christmas and New Year's, and he was on a boat, and, you know, he was feeling pretty lonely himself there, you know, but it was like that was something that, that was sobering, that that, that's, that that would happen to somebody, and that you know, it's the kind of season where it just a lot of people uh, are 
just very sad and and feel very empty during this particular season. We, you know, can speculate about why they do, but uh, it's just a terribly sad thing for for somebody to 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 do that. And I just it fascinates me that people choose bridges as the the agency of their death. You know, that's that's I that's that that's uh, that's it that the reasoning for that exists on a symbolic level, you know, that I, I can't really comprehend. But anyway, thanks for reading the poem. Thank you for providing them. This has been a production of Where You At Studios, LLC.